This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, let's get busy. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville, pound 3636. And away we go with our panel, two-thirds of whom are here. Uh, Dan Moulton, consultant at Crestview Strategy. That's a public affairs agency. A former advisor in the McGinney and Wynn governments. Danny, how are you? I'm doing very well, John. How about you? Good, too. Thanks, and thanks for coming in. Michael Michael Diamond is here, campaign strategist and political commentator with Upstream Strategy Group. How's the Diamond Man? Pretty good. I have a uh, Pizzaville pizza uh, on its way, so... uh, (laughs) Pretty, you know, what's to be upset about? Nothing. Uh, It's good to see you took matters into your own hands rather than relying on me. I've been waiting for weeks now, John. Yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, You missed us, uh, I guess it was when? Last week, two weeks ago? Maybe it was during the Christmas holidays. Uh, But Pizzaville did deliver. Oh, yeah, no. I got to slice that. One day. One day. One day. I guess I'll wait till next Christmas. Down 3636. That's why you see it's memorable. So you got to say the advertising works. Peter Tabbins is en route, uh, and so I'll just park my client climate change question and the carbon tax causing a recession issue, uh, and then we'll move on to other topics worthy of discussion that include, well, you know, everything's in crisis these days, including our shelter system. We were told, at least uh, with the cold snap recently, it's uh, been mitigated, but we're heading back into it Thursday, Friday, and the weekend, and it's been deemed an, an emergency crisis. Now, my question, though, is, is this shelter system or ours broken, uh, as has been cited by street activists and advocates, uh, for lack of money, or is it because of irregular asylum seekers putting undue pressure on the system, Dan? Oh, it's certainly from lack of money. I mean, there's no question there is a uh, a shortage of beds in shelters in this city, particularly in winter months right now when, you know, people just can't, can't survive on the street. It doesn't take uh, a great deal of research to walk around the city and see for yourself that homelessness is on the rise. More people are living on the streets. Driving under the gardener, you can see a, a tent city emerging there, right? This is a problem, and it's because there's a shortage of beds and shelters. So how would you address it? Just money, I mean, when we say money, how would you earmark that specifically? Well, I think we need more uh, We need more shelters. We need more affordable housing to get people out of shelters to start with, and we need more beds in shelters across the city. That's money from the federal government, that's money from the provincial government, and certainly that's more money from the city uh, being invested in those beds. Well, certainly the federal government seemed to be... Uh, beholden to the city because the city has with the irregular or uh, illegal asylum seekers uh, it's rung up uh, the mayor was begging for uh, like 64 million dollars over two years and uh, not a lot of it has been forthcoming would you at least concede that irregular asylum seekers have swamped our shelter system as well? Somebody said it's between 40 and 45, 47 percent. Look, look, it absolutely is a problem, but at the end of the day, who cares? If there's people on the streets in Toronto this time of year, it's the responsibility of people and governments to uh, take care of them and get them off the streets. So absolutely, the federal government, uh, I, I, for one, you know, I think my, my views on irregular crossings are pretty well known on this panel. I've talked about it many times. Uh, something's got to be done on that front, but at the end of the day, in this situation, let's uh, look at solutions instead of uh, looking backwards on this. All right. Yeah. Well, all that's right. a great point. I, I'm glad to hear that, Michael. I think that it doesn't matter what kind of crisis you're in. If you're a crisis in a crisis because you're homeless or you're in a crisis because you're an irregular immigrant to this, this country, it doesn't matter. We need to have a bed for those people. And I, I think I, I'm glad to hear Michael supporting that position. Well, I'm not totally certifiably crazy. I, I, it's been proven to me in this look moment, at that. Well, and ask, I will reflect on this deeply. Well, okay, both you guys are consultants and strategists, so what's the best approach for government to make housing affordable? 
Well, I mean, there certainly isn't enough money earmarked for the problem. That's that's a, that's a that's the start right there from all levels of government. This is a shared responsibility from all three levels. There is so, not enough funds dedicated to, to combating this problem, to building affordable housing and getting people out of shelters, and for building shelters themselves. So There's you have hundreds of millions of dollars. Let's say uh, somebody ponies up the money, or it could go into the billions, and uh, you get what? Then developers who will build... Purpose-built units for affordable? affordable affordable housing, right? That that's a big part of the problem is that there aren't affordable homes in our communities for the people in the shelters to access, right? And so we have massive wait lists of people trying to get into affordable housing that can't, and they have nowhere else to turn. And so they're either driven out of the city or they're driven into homelessness. And so something has to be done to address that problem. I think it starts with more affordable housing. But the other part of the solution is more shelter beds, too, because there's a, a significant absence of those as well. Well, and looking for other places to shelter people at these times. Yeah. Let's, let's be creative on that. All right. And so if we're going to be uh, creative, we should also acknowledge that mental health is a major issue. Absolutely. A yeah, component sure. of and, this. And, yeah, the province's investment on that and all levels of government, uh, you know, it's good to see that every day that is an issue that people, I think, are paying more attention yeah. to and wanting to find solutions to. So between all of these things, hopefully, you know, in, in five years from now, uh, we'll have more than enough uh, shelter beds and uh, uh, more folks in affordable housing and getting the treatment they need. Yeah. And I don't want to oversimplify the problem, Sean, but I think, you know, I live in the West End of Toronto, I live very close to CAMH Hospital. Uh, their presence of, of homelessness and mental health issues in that side of the community is very low, much lower than you would think knowing that the hospital is there. But you walk up straight north of here up Sherburne Avenue in the east side of Toronto, and the problem is startling. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that there isn't a hospital on this side of town uh, to help address those problems. Well, there's also a lot of shelters on that part of town, so it's reflective of, I guess, uh, the populace and the concentration of those folks. But uh, Peter Tabbins has now joined us. Uh, of course, Peter Tabbins is a member of the legislature with the NDP. He's also their energy and climate change critic. Peter, I guess you got delayed at the legislature because there were some things being developed there. Uh, Dan was just telling me moments ago, or not too long ago anyway, uh, the government retreated on Bill 66, which is... In part, in it, part, that's right. Well, you know, and that does uh, impact <laughs> land use. Uh, and, when it, you know, because municipalities were given uh, pretty much autonomy when it came to land use, to determine how they wanted to build, even if there were incursions into the green belt. And now this being, I, this is what I'm to understand. I don't have the report directly in front of me. No, you got it right, John. Okay. Uh, so doesn't that uh, also impact affordable housing? If no, we, not for a minute. Why not? Because we've got decades worth of land in inventory in this region outside of the green belt, sorry, not covered by the green belt, where you can have development. That That is not an issue. That's That's just... Uh, a big story that some people are making up. We have as much land as we need for decades. If we want to develop for housing, there was no need to go into the green belt. What we were talking about here, I think, was some people had bought land on speculation, uh, got it cheap because it was covered by the green belt, very happy to have the rules broken so that their land could then become very valuable. And people in Ontario just had no interest. In fact, were totally opposed to this attack on the Greenbelt. Ford had to back off. All right, so uh, that's what happened earlier today, and uh, I appreciate you bringing me up to date now. The other thing, of course, uh, Ford is being uh, criticized for, but he's also responded in kind that a carbon tax, uh, it would be devastating for Ontario and cause a recession, a federal carbon tax. You heard about this, haven't you, Peter? 
You know, from time to time, I pick up these things, yeah. Right, on. okay. I just wondered, because you're looking around the room quizzically here. Uh, well, because it's just the, the ludicrousness of the claim, I think, was probably Peter's expression. I don't want to speak for you, Peter, no, no. but I, I think the ludicrousness I, of that I appreciate claim your intervention, that but... there is going to be a recession because of a uh, price on carbon uh, is something that we can all have a good chuckle at. Well, I don't know, Michael Diamond, uh, is he that far-fetched in well, suggesting look, that? It, it is going to make uh, ends uh, meet, uh, harder for families to make ends meet. Uh, last week, RBC came out uh, with a report that that uh, uh, 46 or 48 percent of Canadian families are 200 dollars away from insolvency. Adding 600 plus dollars a year to uh, a family's uh, tax bill uh, will absolutely make it harder for some families to make ends meet. So uh, I, I don't think it's all that far fetched. Well, Michael, but it that's has like nothing to do with the recession. Come on, <laughs> no, no, but come on. That, 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 this that, is an that issue is of just personal junk. economics. Yeah, know? but but that's just making a. Ford has a real problem. He brought forward a dud of a so-called environmental plan. He's got to say something about the environment. Uh, financially, in this province, he's been a bull in a china shop. He's, we've seen our credit rating go down. We lost $100 million on the Avista deal. Uh, we lost billions of dollars in revenue when he shut down cap and trade. So wait a minute. Let me get this straight. On the Avista deal, you did want Ontario to be involved fully in coal-fired generating. No, I never wanted it. The Liberals set it up, but he was the one who sprung the trap, so we got stuck with a $100 million bill. So how come the Liberals set it up? They That's were the such ones... a strange thread to pull from the Avista deal. Like that, the, To keep focusing, it's just such a sun media, like we're going we're to talk about these, we're going to talk about these coal plants well, that, you that know what? Ha- happen to be it, in Portland it, no, or somewhere like that. No, it Give was in Washington break. State. Hydro was to, Why Hydro would you one, guys invest in that? Hydro though? One was going to buy a significant part of the American transmission system, right. grow their business, right. develop a better return for Ontario ratepayers. After they sold off fifty three percent, yeah, some like four place. coal plants on the, the west coast of uh, <laughs> uh, of North America, and like well, it's the really important part of the discussion. It well, absolutely it, was not. Doug Ford lost ratepayers hundreds of millions of dollars because he oh, intervened yeah. in a private company's business. Oh, no, not yet. Uh, so well, uh, let me ask no, you, I, Peter I think Cavins. he has lost that money already. You, you, that, believe, that's gone. you believe the Liberals were on the right track? No. Then? Of course you And I, said it was, <laughs> I, I was on this show before the last election, John. If you will remember, I said they were on the wrong track. Selling off Hydro One in the first place was a mistake, and then losing focus in Ontario was a mistake. Going into the United States and buying assets, when what people really want is a focus in Ontario on affordable rates. That's what we needed. That's not what the Liberals gave us. And then you get Doug Ford going in and making it even muddier, which was astounding to me, but yet it was possible well, for him to do that. Let me ask uh, Michael Diamond here on the carbon tax thing, just to follow up, because, you know, the the recession that these guys uh, deny would happen, and, uh, you know, there are a number of economists who have been cited, but... We know that, uh, you know, economic forecasting is... Well, no, economic forecasting is a lot like weather forecasting. And if you want to uh, put your trust in long-range forecasts, uh, you guys can go ahead and roll the dice. But I just think a carbon tax is like grooming us for bigger hits to come. Uh, Just like the income tax, when it was introduced in 1917, was a temporary tax. Ultimately... There's no such thing. Uh, You know, Reagan uh, Reagan said that an economist is someone who sees something happen in uh, practice and wonders if it will work in theory. Uh, What what we do know is it's going to add an expense to folks. And uh, at the end of the day, that's what the premier uh, promised to uh, fight. And that's what he's going to do.
Yeah, but let's just set all that aside. Set aside the economists. B.C. has had a price on carbon since about 2008, 2007. They got through the 2008 recession, which was caused by speculation in the housing market. Their economy has continued to grow. We didn't have a recession when cap-and-trade was in place in Ontario. We didn't have a recession in Quebec with their cap-and-trade system. There's revenue neutral in B.C., though, isn't it? Well, I mean, and let's let's talk about the federal program as well, which Michael talks about increases on families' uh, monthly costs. That's like talking about monthly costs, not talking about families' incomes. Like, we're talking about a a return to individual families in the revenue generated from the federal carbon tax. And... That is a direct benefit to individual families. Seventy percent. It sounds like something that uh, often they Ponzi would have been selling. Oh God! Now well, that, that's I'm a forward thing. You give well, me my your favorite money, thing John, is that, I will give you more returns. My favorite thing about this debate is that we're not going to trust experts. We're not going to trust economists. We're going to trust politicians. We're like, going to give trust me a break. Right? I'd rather trust that's the people. That's the thing. Put the put the green in the people's well, jeans. I, Keep I it there. I think we're better served by that. Every poll that's been done on the issue of climate change over the last year has said that. A majority of the people of the uh, of this country and mm. of this province want to do something about climate change, and they want a price on carbon. So if Doug that's Ford ran speak, on that. He ran on that and won a majority. No, yeah, he, he didn't got win 40% a percent of the vote in Ontario. Oh come yeah, on, he got a majority. Oh, okay, then Justin Trudeau didn't get a majority. I think that's a big problem. Nor did Kathleen win. I cannot think of an election in Canada where a proponent of a carbon tax, where it was actually an issue, like 2008 and uh, 2018 here in Ontario, where 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 they were successful. And I think if next year's federal election is fought on a carbon tax, it will be very good for Andrew Scheer. 2015, 2014. Was that a central issue? Yeah, of course it was. I, I don't recall that. Well, I don't recall it being a central issue in the 2018 Ontario Oh, absolutely either. was. No, it was not a central issue. We're going to cap taxes and trade Kathleen Wynne. That was the line, and that's what he's done. All right, let's yeah. come back. Uh, there's Those more are different goals. issues than climate change. <laughs> uh, the panel, Dan Moulton, Peter Tabbins, Michael Diamond, and topics worthy of discussion continue on The Oakley Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm here today to ring the warning bell that the risk of a carbon tax recession is very, very real. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.